Say, God's got this. And we find in the book of Exodus a powerful scripture that will lead us into talking about the cause that God has in your life and how he fulfills it and also the nature of God that brings that forth. Moses in the book of Exodus, the 34th chapter, he has asked God, if you don't go with us, we don't want to go. If you're not with us, if you're not before us, if you're not behind us, we don't want to go. And so he asked God, show me your glory. Show me who you are. It's okay to ask God to show you who he is. So in chapter 34 and verse 5, reading from the New Living Translation, then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and called out his own name. Now look up for a moment. I love this, and we'll pray in a moment. I love this, that God is going to announce himself. Normally, Marty, you look for someone greater than you to announce someone else so, um, or someone that has some power that can bring you into a place you need to go into. But God knew there was no one, everyone say there was no one, greater than he. So God announces his own self, and this is what God says. As he begins to pass in front of Moses, he hides Moses in the rock, if you're familiar with the passage, and he said this about himself. I am the Lord. I am the Lord, the merciful and gracious God. I am slow to anger, and I am rich. And then I just like to think he just paused. I'm rich. And you think, what is he going to say after I am rich? I am rich in power. You just saw me smite the Pharaoh and his army in the sea. You just saw me divide the Red Sea. You just saw me bring plagues into Egypt. So you think that God is going to say, I am rich in power that can destroy people. But I like to think the pause, and I am rich, then brought forth the next line. I am rich in unfailing. Someone say unfailing. Love and faithfulness. And I show this love to many thousands by forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion. Someone say Amen. I want you to say to your neighbor, God's got this. Father, in the name of Jesus, we welcome your Holy Spirit into this house that our worship team has so beautifully led us into your presence. But we ask for everyone listening today by podcast in this room, however far this word may travel. We ask you, Spirit of God, to encourage the weary, strengthen the lame, pick up the fallen, Do what only you can do. Whisper into the ears of the listener even that which your servant does not say. But bring forth your word, Father, and let us remember you've got this. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. We find Moses, whom we shall quickly move past Moses into the book of Judges. But we find Moses, Janice, living out what he thought was the last days of his life, counting the calendar, merely just clocking in, clocking out on the backside of the Sinai, way out into the wilderness where his father-in-law had sheep. He thought he was just counting down the calendars and he had seen the best days of his life when he lived under Pharaoh's palace. And now he would just merely live out this day. But all of a sudden, God shows up and reminds Moses that he is in God's neighborhood. And Moses was not just counting the calendar. And you are not just counting the calendar. Moses discovers that God is going to use him 
in the greatest deliverance plan we knew at the time of the book of Exodus. Someone say, God's got this. And God assures Moses, he calls him on the backside of the desert. And Moses goes through and he sees all the glory of God, the Red Sea, the plagues, the major deliverance. But why I brought that into the story is I want you to know that when God, when Moses asked God in the book of Exodus in chapter 33, I need to see your glory. I want you to feel what he feels because I think we feel this way often. We have seen God do some mighty things. Who among us has not or has seen the Red Sea parted in our life? Who among us has not or has seen God do the unthinkable, the uncrossable, like he did with the children of Israel? God did it. Someone say God himself did it. But here is Moses after seeing all that. Here is Rhonda. Here is you. Here is anyone listening today. You've seen God do so much, but you find yourself in that moment knowing and asking God, I need to see you now. I need to see that you can do the unthinkable, the uncrossable. Because, you know, if we were to judge Moses, we'd say, Moses, if there's ever been anyone living at the time that you lived that should have known that God was with you, it should have been you, Moses. You should have known he crossed the Red Sea for you. He brought the plagues. But you see, Moses realizes that at every point of his life, he needs to know that God is with him, God is for him, and God is ahead of him. Moses was fixing to lead the children of Israel into their promised land. There's so many stages and processes in our life, and if we ever camp out at one, we're going to miss the next one. If we ever build a memorial to yesterday, we're going to miss the God of today. If we ever get our eyes on what could be or should be sometime off, we're going to miss today. Moses had to leave those children of Israel. I don't know if you've ever um, gone to Disney World or Disneyland and you get on that ride. It's a small world. Wave your hand if you have. And it's beautiful. And you go through there and all the little creatures and all the little children that look like all the nations of the world are holding their hands. And you get in that boat and you go across the water and they're all singing. It's a... Yes, if you're listening, they're singing quite beautifully. It's a small world after all. And in that moment, you just begin to think, I am one with the world, and the world is one with me. And there is no one in this cause of God that's in my life, because each one of us have a cause, we get that in a moment, that I cannot do. Until you get out of the boat, that it's a small world. And if you took your family to Disney World, and you step outside that into the blazing heat where you're all starving, hungry, and you're mad at each other, you're going to find that life is not often like a ride through it's a small world, but rather like a ride through Jurassic Park. Can I get a witness? Where there's velociraptors, and there is the big killers. I used to say in ministry, I have a whole message about Jurassic Park. But I used to say in ministry that, unfortunately, because I come from a long line of spirit-filled negotiators, I was always called into the pit with a velociraptor. Send Pastor Ron in she can calm that staff member down send pastor Rhonda in she can get them I'm like I don't want to go in they're biting my hands and my feet but rather you find that life is often like a ride on Jurassic Park and Moses knew he was going to live among people if God's got this he's got this among the people that you love and you work with if God's got this and he needs you to know the cause inside of you is not for yourself the cause inside of Moses was not for himself, though a cause will never leave you better than it found you. Isn't that beautiful? A cause in your life, the thing that God has put you on the earth for, that sometimes is a discovery, 
It will never leave you less than it was. Someone say amen. Have you noticed God has a peculiar fashion for the forgotten? Have you noticed? See his hand on the skin of the leper through Jesus. See the face of the prostitute cupped in Jesus' hands. See his arm around little Zacchaeus. God wants to get this message to society. What society puts out, God puts in. Can you say amen? What the world writes off, God picks up. Why did he pick you up? Why did he pick Moses up? Because he wanted to. After all, he made you. No matter how long you have waited or how much time you have wasted, God has a place for you. Others may forget you. Others may not remember you. Others may not give you honor for anything you planted in their life. And if you're looking for that, Listen to this 56-year-old. Do what you do for Jesus and the kingdom of heaven. If they never remember you, if they never acknowledge you, heaven knows your name and heaven will acknowledge you and no man or woman on earth can give you rewards like heaven can. Someone give God praise this morning. God's got this all the way to eternity. If you look for what you're doing to receive back, you never will. One of my favorite messages I hope to reboot and do a podcast on is you might be a Pharisee if. And in there I tell about the horrible way I, I led worship here one Sunday when we met over here. And this church was very small. And uh, people were just, you know, I, I'd only been leading. And, and really people, as Kelly Gowen said, we were the best of the best in the earth at that time. And um, had musicians and singers and um, but people just love the way Pastor Hank sang. I know. Think about it, church. And so when I would turn it over to him, you know, to take the transition because I led worship, um, I, you know, they could have been, like, bored, reading their, they didn't have cell phones at that time, picking their nose, getting dirt off their shoes, grumbling with each other. But if he took the mic, it was just like electricity. I mean, it's like he could have said Mickey Mouse and people would have hit the ceiling. You remember, I mean, it was just... And I just got mad over it. Oh, yeah. In my cause of doing the kingdom work, I got mad the way the people. I didn't get mad at Pastor Hank. I got mad at the people. And as soon as that was over, I went out. We had a gravel park. And I love to tell things like this. And I just hope someday in my older years I can just get a bunch of young people around me and teach them everything I've learned because it would be so redeeming to me because I could save them a lot of hell. And out there in that, that gravel I got between two cars. I had just led worship. I mean, pastor's wife, everything. Went out there, got in between two cars on the gravel, and I said, hell will freeze over before I ever get up there and lead your people again. They're a, I was telling this to God. They're a bunch of horrible people. They don't love you. They don't recognize me. They don't recognize the anointing. I'm telling you, I'll never walk on that stage again. I'll, ne I'll serve you, but it... I'm just telling you, hell will freeze over. Uh, Mexicans will speak Latin. Um, Nicaraguans will swim in the pool of whatever. I mean, I just went off and off and off. I mean, it was horrible. Someone say horrible. I'm going to tell you, a transforming cause, another point in the message, is never about you. It's always about using the resources God gave you to make an impact on others. And that means there's going to be moments that even at your lowest, God is going to reveal his cause in you. Well, I somehow snuck back in the church and sat on the front row. I probably just stared at Pastor at that time. Went home, and that afternoon I told Pastor Hank what I had said to God, and I meant it. I meant it. And this is why I've been able to deal with so If you knew how many staff, how many people that volunteered through the years, I'll never get up there, and I'm like, oh, yeah, get in line, brother. Get in line, sister. Just get right back here. I got a story that will make your hair curl. I'll make your head spin like a scene off the, the uh, exorcist. Come on, somebody. And I told Pastor Hank, and he just kind of looked at me. He's a wise man. He just kind of looked at me. Hmm, hmm. That's about all he said. 
Next day, he had an elder of ours call me, and he kicked my backside for an hour. I mean, he kicked me every which way with love. He said, still tender. God called you. You're dealing with some rejection right now. You're actually dealing with a spirit of rejection. But God called you, and I has not seen or ear has heard what the Lord's going to do through you. You're not always going to lead worship. I loved leading worship. I could have died leading worship. It was the best and most awesome thing of my life. He said, but God is trying to test and try your soul. Will you continue to do what God has called you to do when you see little effect? Because I'm going to tell you, there's nothing, and Josh could come up here and give a testimony, but we, won't, we don't have time for that. Maybe on another day. There's nothing much worse than leading worship because you don't always see the result or speaking the word or doing anything in the kingdom, really anything. You have to trust the spirit of the Lord for what he's doing in the lives of people. But a cause about you is never about you. When he was done, he said, you're called to do this and you will get back up there Sunday and you will go on for years leading worship. And what God's going to do is going to be so mighty. I'm going to tell you something this morning. It doesn't take a person of unusual ability to change the world. All it takes is a heart that cares, a mind that is determined, a spirit that is willing, a cause that matters, and someone to help. God's got this. And I learned then that the cause that God had for my life, he was going to do. The cause that God has for your life, he's going to do. You're anointed for a cause, you're anointed for every circumstance, and you're anointed for life. Someone say for life. All God wants you to do is to let his truth tell you the truth about who you are and give you a commitment to stay where God has called you. If I had just run off in my fleshly Listen, there's a time here I had musicians to run down that street carrying their instruments because I wouldn't even tell you the details because they may listen to this podcast someday. Just they weren't people that were going to sing because they didn't get the main part. I mean, I'd send other people chasing them down the street. Why could I deal? I mean, other people said I would ask them. I mean, my elders would say I would kill them. I would kill them and tell God they died. I would send them to utter Ethiopia. But I remembered my gravel experience. I remember when I was fleshly and obsessed with myself, obsessed with what I could see, and God was teaching me and training me for better days when I would do his will, even preach on international television, which is not the height of anything. But if you think you don't ever have to trust that God's doing something with millions of people you can't see, that's the moment. And I'm going to tell you today, God is doing things through your life you cannot see. And the voice that tells you that you are not making a difference is a lie. And that voice only speaks because it sees you making a difference. It would not take time with you unless you are doing something greater than you ever thought you could do. Someone give God a hand clap of praise. Didn't mean to preach this morning, Donnie, but there it came. You must be praying too hard for me. You see... A, a, a cause will leave things better and it'll leave you better Tommy Barnett um, has often been a general in the faith to us though I don't think we've ever had a private conversation we shook his hand Pastor Hank and I went to a pastor's conference there in the early days of the church in Arizona he pastors a mega church he must be in his 80s but he's just really fantastic and we went to his pastor's conference and we, our vision was just that's where we got the vision for so many things that we've done through the years and um, he's an awesome man of God but his son, Matthew, was trying to follow in his daddy's footsteps. Matthew found himself full of ulcers trying to build a mega church like his daddy did. Because sometimes we look at people and we think, well, God's got this. But my cause, because we're talking about God's got this in our cause, which we're going to give you some biblical examples in just a moment 
of people that God did mighty things. But we think, well, that's got to be my path. I've got to be, this has got to be my path. That's the only path I know that looks this way. My best friend, Melissa Quell, when her husband died, everyone tried to get her to go like itinerary preaching. I just kept telling Missy, I don't see that. I'll support you, and I know that's what I've done, and I think it's a high and holy calling, but I just hear God saying it's out of the box, Missy. It's out of the box. It's out of the box. Missy, it's out of the box. Don't let people people limit you. And um, it ended up being out of the box. And she went to the top of Juice Plus, has spoken it several times to over 10,000 people at one setting. Her story, it's in a MLM marketing company called Juice Plus, but it's amazing. Sometimes we limit God, and Matthew found himself filled with ulcers. And God called him to California, and he went out to California, and he started just dealing with the uh, street people. This is what he did, Jackie. I love this. And his book is so awesome. I haven't read it in years, but it's so awesome. And he says, I was ministering. He started building the Dream Center, which you can look that up. Dream Center is awesome. We someday would love to build a version of that here. And even, anyway, we'd love to leave it there. And, um, And so at any rate, he began to feel like that he had lost the vision of the people he was called to. Moses had the vision. These people were going into had the vision. And so he talked his team into helping him dress up like a homeless person. It's in downtown Los Angeles. And he was going to live on the streets for two days. Now, he, most of his staff, all of his staff, in fact, Jesus told him the same thing Jesus told us. If you'll take the ones nobody wants, they will become the one that everybody wants. That's what God told us when we begin this church. So when people kept thinking that the rich and doctors were going to come here, it's eh, 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 not what God said. And um, so at any rate, he, so Lawrence said to him, Pastor, please, please, Pastor, they're going to smell you from a mile. They're going to know you. They're going to feel you. They're going to know you are not homeless. You are not from there. And so, well, Lawrence, help me. So Lawrence gave him the hoodie, changed his shoes, and did all this and said, you look too clean. You look too together. You look too whatever. And uh, then Lawrence said, and, and above all, he said, Pastor, take your Bible. He goes, are you freaking kidding me? Take my Bible. He said, I'm going to tell you, Pastor, the people on the street are homeless. They're urinating on every corner. They're living in boxes. They're sleeping with rats and roaches. They're selling themselves in porta potties. They're doing drug deals in porta potties. But they still have a respect for the Word of God. Is that not amazing? So we dressed him up as homeless. And his story of where he went for a couple days, I wish I could tell you, but I will tell you this. He said he all of a sudden felt what those people felt. He all of a sudden saw how they live. He said, I began to realize that when I'm doing the will of God, because a cause will make you lighter. When you do the will of God, Jesus' yoke is light and his burden is easy. Someone say easy. Sometimes we think God calls us to kill us. He calls you because he loves you and he wants to partner with you. But as he lived among those, he realized it doesn't take a, a, a person with great courage. It just takes someone that says, I don't need a better assignment to experience a greater anointing. We spend our whole lives trying to find or find that what God has already given us instead of just doing and living out. Someone say living out what God has called us to do. Pastor Matthew Barnett, and they, they did smell him out. They circled them, him like a herd. They said, you're not from here. He heard, I, I wish I could tell you everything. He heard chantings. He heard things he said that still make him wake up in the middle of the night as he lived out there. He ate from the homeless trucks. He said there was one woman who came in, it wasn't even from the Dream Center, who came in down there to Los Angeles with a, with a truck of Mexican food. She jumped out of that truck. She said, hello, my people. And she began to hand out tacos. She, not knowing who Pastor Matthew Barnett is, he's known all around the world. 
looked at him, came up to him and wrapped her arms around him and said, Son, don't lose fear. God's going to do something for you. It's going to be mighty. But he said in those days he'd learned sometime where we're going to end in about 25 minutes. You've got to feel what people feel. You've got to experience what they experience. You've got to remember what it felt like on the worst day of your life and never let go of that because on the worst day of your life God was putting a cause in you. It was not on your best day that God was anointing you for a cause. It was on your worst day when you hurt so bad you had to crawl to the next place when you felt like the whole world was against you it was in that moment that God put an understanding and compassion in you and Matthew Barnett went on to build the dream center where the homeless continued to flood because he said there's a cause greater in me I'm not going to limit God that I'm like my daddy and I've got to build a mega church I'm going to let the box be open for God to do in my life because sometimes the opinions of others what others think you should do what others try to limit you and I to I'm going to tell you I believe and declare and decree to all who are here today and those who are listening what God is going to do in each of our lives will fulfill the word if we allow him to eye has not seen nor ear has heard nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for us somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning come on put those hands together for him thank you God your cause matters this morning I want to talk about in the book of Judges chapter 3 and 9 you don't have to turn there because I won't stay long at any point I want to show you where God's got this where the cause that God did in his people and he's doing through you is so powerful remember he said to Moses I am the Lord the Lord I'm rich in love I am good and I'm kind and I'm merciful and I've got this and he's saying that to you today about your life. He's saying that today about the people that you love. He's also saying about the cause he's called you to. Israel found themselves disobedient and subject to Cush Rishathim, the king of Mesopotamia. His name meant alone double wickedness. Everyone say double wickedness. Cush meant double wickedness. And all of a sudden they found themselves pressed down from double wickedness. But God raised up a man. But I want to tell you about this man. He was the nephew of Caleb. His name was Othniel. Everyone say Othniel. Say, I'll never forget Othniel. And his name means force of God. Someone say force of God. In this time, God said, I've got this by raising up a man or a woman who will be my force against double wickedness. As this church has been raised up against addiction and raised up against hopelessness, God raised Othniel up. But the important thing is Othniel is the nephew of Caleb. Caleb is the man who went in with Joshua into the promised land. And when the other lying, defeated, fearful church members said, God can't do this, it was Caleb and Joshua alone who were of a different spirit. They were a different spirit because they'd worked hard to be a different spirit. God's called you, but you got to work hard. Someone say work hard. To be of a different spirit. And Caleb and Joshua saw what God could do. Well, I believe in my own heart, Caleb impacted Othniel. And he raised him up. And he began to be that force against Israel. It said the children of God cried out. I'm going to tell you, God's hand is upon your life. A special anointing for a special occasion. When you are up against double wickedness in the workplace. When you're up against it. 
anywhere you go, when the enemy comes to take away from you, God will bring up his glory and he will show his force. Someone give God a hand clap of praise. I want to tell you this on this point before I move on. Um, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Isaiah 54, familiar verse. In 2010, um, I got behind on our house payment. That was when the economy was a little quirky. And I was just a few days late going into the second month. Now, why I had a house payment is we were trying to still cover this land over here at that time. After that, we had a benefactor to help us. But we were trying to cover it, and I got behind. It, it wasn't even that big of a payment, but I did. And um, Pastor Hank and I were at his annual exam, and so we'd given Courtney the payment. I realized it to go make it, and they refused her payment. She called me. And we were at the doctor, and they said no. And then we found out that they had filed foreclosure on our home. This is our home that we had lived in. We've lived in now for 30 years. It's a modest, small home, but it is our home, and we love it. And there is blood, sweat, and tears in there more than you know um, of praying for God's people and God's people praying for us. And um, so, you know, um, going, coming home, Perry Stone called me and said, I've got a cancellation. I'd gone on um, international TBN with him before. And I'd been on manifest, but he said, I've had a cancellation. I need a woman, and Jen Crouch will approve you because you've been on. said, I can bring you. It's a quick approval. And I said, okay, okay, I'll get back with you. Well, on the way home, I'll make this very short. I just began to um, fuss at Pastor Hank, and I kind of like, hell will freeze over. I said, I, I am not going on international television on Tuesday night to speak of God's victory and power when my house that I love is fixed to be foreclosure. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I mean, I gave him 50,000 reasons why I'm going to do it. He's so wise. He just listened and looked at me, listened and looked at me. Probably because he's afraid that lesser was going to come after me and I was going to devour him. But anyway, so we got, we got home. And um, he went to do some errands, and I laid down on the bed. Some of you are familiar with this story, but I, this came up spontaneously with the Hope House girls. It ministered them so much, I felt it needed to come in today. And so, um, at any rate, I laid down and watched Fox News just to get a distraction. And somewhere in there, God said, Rhonda, if you'll obey me and you'll go, I'm going to do something that you cannot even comprehend. Obey me. So when Hank came in, Pastor Hank, I said, I'm going to call Perry. He goes, ah, oh, don't worry about it. I already called Perry. I told him you are going to do it. You was just having a moment. He just needed to give you a little time, but you was going to do it. I already committed you to it, you know. So uh, I love my husband, and uh, so I did. So going, just Perry said, I'm going to let you preach. Interestingly enough, people would get mad at Perry at that time because they said they didn't. He didn't let me talk. I didn't mind. Perry's got so much to say. Really, I would rather him talk because if he asked me what is the meaning of the seven heads of the Leviathan, I would rather him answer that question. Come on, somebody. And so um, Perry said, you know what, Rondola? He calls me Rondola Shondola. He and Joni are the only two in Marcus that call me that. He said, Rondola Shondola. That's a long story why he calls me that. But he said, I just want you to pick something and just go for it. I'm just going to hand you the mic and just, because it's a sitting interview. And he did that. And, and what the Lord gave me was the verse, no weapon formed against me. And I began to, and what the Lord gave me was out about the life of David, which I can't go into right now, because David had survived so many things, but a new weapon had been formed against him by Ishbi Benob, which was sent to make him retreat. And um, it says that this new weapon was formed, and the way God conquered it was amazing. So the word that I had was no weapon formed against me prosper. I knew that the weapon formed against my marriage didn't prosper in 19... 83 I knew the weapon formed against my oldest did not prosper when it tried to take her and I went through all of these things but I need to know anybody with me I need to know that any weapon formed against me in 2018 or 2017 shall not prosper can I get an amen prosper means to have its full intent it's going to come but not to have its full intent 
So uh, that night it went to me and, and it was filled. The TBN studio that night was filled with a lot of wonderful African-Americans, which is just the thrill of my soul. <laughs> and so we preached. And Holy Spirit was so faithful and, and it was mighty and awesome. So I came home and I had to go to see the banker that next day because Pastor Hank got very sick. Had to go by myself. And I took someone that Pastor Hank had invested in, a young man. And because the reason we had looped our houses for that and to help men in, in um, rehab that we had at that time. And so I went into the bank, fearful and trembling. My church people were praying, even though they didn't know what they were praying for. And I sat in front of the banker. And I sat down, and I had, um, Fraser was his name. I had uh, Fraser share the story of how Pastor Hank took him off the streets with heroin and cocaine. Even when I said, please do not bring him here. Um, Pastor Hank did, and how he loved him and invested into his life. And um, Fraser just told his story. And then I looked at the banker. And I got ready to talk, and he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. And he took off his glasses. Courtney had already been in the bathroom praying, and the Holy Spirit, thank God for anointed children, just crying because that was our home, asking the Lord to make a way. And um, he took his glasses off, and he looked at me. Tears began to stream down his face. He said, last night I sat down in my recliner in my living room, and I was scrolling through the TV. I never watched Christian television. But all of a sudden, there was a woman in a blue blouse, and it was you. And you were talking about no weapon formed against you would prosper. And he starts crying. He goes, do you think I'm a weapon in your life? I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. He said, I don't want to take your house. He said, if you can do just this little bit, because we'd already checked other alternatives, but we, there was no other alternatives. He reached down, and he tore up the foreclosure papers. He said, you really ministered to me last night. Now listen, church, what if I had stayed in that gravel? What if I had stayed in my moment of, I'm not victorious, bless God. When hell freezes over, I'll get up and tell the people of God that he's mighty. Oh, I wasn't mad at God. I just didn't have the feelings of confidence. But I'm going to tell you, even if you come from a long line of chickadom, you can still be brave in the moment that God anoints you for a cause. Someone give God a hand clap of praise. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ I stand. Isaiah 14 and 27 says, For the Lord Almighty has purposed and spoke, and who can thwart him or change his plans? He says in the book of Exodus, his hand is stretched out, and to who can he turn it back? We read the story of Othniel as we move to another story, but we must remember in the time of the Holocaust, the Jews had such a fear of the days of Esther and such a fear of what a respect, should I say, of what God did and how the gallows that Haman built, Haman ended up being on himself. So any Jew, and I want to read it as it has been written, that they, the book of Esther was so highly feared by the Nazis as well that they killed on sight any Jew in concentration camps that possessed a copy of the book. But that didn't stop the Jews. The incarcerated Jews wrote copies, hallelujah, of Esther by memory because they found assurance and hope that they, not their enemy, would triumph. How tightly are we holding on to God's victories in the past? Are we believing what he did in Othniel's days and in the days of Moses? God can do through us that it doesn't matter their limits on us, our weaknesses, our strength, our past, our discouragement, or our crazy thoughts, or our time spent out in the gravel saying, I'll 
never do that again? Or will we stand up and say, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God of every living one before me that reigns in heaven today shall use me in this day for his cause. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I want to move to Deborah in the book of Judges in chapter 4, 3 through 7. If you want to bring it up, there the children of Israel cried. They were in under opposition again, and they were under the great hand of Jabin, who had 900 chariots of iron. And for 20 years, he harshly oppressed the children of Israel. 20 years. Someone say 20 years. God's got this. Someone say God's got this. 20 years, 20 minutes for most of us, we would be overcome. But 20 years In that moment, God raised up a woman called Deborah, a woman to go encourage a man, a woman who was a prophetess, a woman who was sitting underneath a palm tree um, doing the works of God and doing what she was called to be. Let me tell you something, sisters that are listening and women that are in this room. Don't ever make excuses for being a woman. Don't ever make excuses that God should have called a man. God called you and Jesus at the cross redeemed you. I don't need the feminist movement. Jesus redeemed me. I want to be fully 100% woman underneath the covering of a man, but I also am under the covering of the Lord Jesus Christ. God calls whomever he wants to call. My elders told me who went across the pioneer days and fought all kind of discouragement against women, never try to prove your calling to anyone. If you've got to write it out for someone, you've lost the battle. Merely walk in the anointing that God has given you, whether that's in the boardhouse, the schoolhouse, Olive Garden, over there at the trucking place, in the hospital, helping at Casa. Merely walk in what God has called you to walk. Be the mommy God has called you to be, and you will see the strength of the Lord in you your day. Someone say amen. Deborah says to Barak, you need to get up and fight because she goes to Barak. He's the commander and says you need to go to the top of the mountain and fight against Jabin. God said he's given you the battle. I want you to know that we need the kind of people in our cause. God's looking for the kind of people that will say to each other, God's got this. God's got this. God has given you the situation is what Deborah said. Now get up and fight. Barak was in his pity like me in the gravel. Barak had slunk down into his depression. Barak had slunk down. Hey, this is not a man and woman thing. It could easily be reversed because my husband has been the one mostly to say to me, get back up and fight. Get back up and stand. Has not the Lord given this to you? Even this morning as I despaired over this message, he calls me. He said, go with what the Lord has said to you. Go with what the Lord has said. But there are times that we all are called to encourage because Jabin had 900 chariots, but this is what happened. Deborah and 10,000 men and Barak marched to the mountains. And you can imagine Jabin looking across there with his 900 chariots. Now, that's just 900 iron chariots. That doesn't count all the men and warriors he had. But when he sees them, he probably thought they looked very pitiful. But guess what? God was with them. And Deborah writes in the next chapter, even though Barak said, look at that puny woman, God said, you go ahead and say she looks puny. But what you can't see is heaven is all around her. And it says the stars began to fight against Jabin. It says the heavens began to fight against Jabin. When you've reached everything you know to reach in your life, step back and let God reach what you can't reach. Someone say amen. And rain came down, and all of a sudden, those 900 chariots that they thought were so forceful 
absolutely got stuck in the mud. And on that day, Deborah gives the Lord glory. And she says, the Lord came through like the sun after a dark night. She sings two great psalms and she just lets it fly. And she gives Jesus praise. And God took another woman named Jael and she put a tent peg in the hand of Sisera or in the head of Sisera. That kind of anointing, that kind of thing is when the hand of the Lord God is upon you that picks you up and carries you through. Someone say amen. That kind of anointing that says you may feel small, you may feel weak. Psalms 90 and 15, the psalmist says, Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with good. Let us see your miracles again and let our children see your glory work. May the Lord our God show his approval and make our way successful. I'm going to tell you today, God says to you what he said to Deborah, what he said to Gideon, who I'm going to pass by. I don't have time. You are God's mighty hero. And sometimes we question if I'm mighty hero of God, if I am the mighty woman of man of valor, why is all of this happening to me? Why has this happened to me? Maybe not even tragedy, sometimes tragedies, but just this thing is ended or finances have become limited and I find myself again at a point of limitation. I find myself again struggling with things I used to struggle with. Sometimes God reduces us to less so that we may come to the point that we realize he is more than enough and he wants to make us more than ever before. And God says to you today, when you come to the point like John the Baptist who said he must become greater and I must become less. And Jesus said there is not one greater than John the Baptist because John knew this cause is not about me. It's not what I look like. It's not what people think about me. It's not what they vote about me. It's not what they say about me. But I know this day that it's not by might nor by power, but it is by His Spirit. And God will get me through. Come on, somebody. Because in those moments, you depend. Josh, if you'll come help me, I've still got a little bit to journey, and I'm going to go a little bit over the 12 o'clock time. Are we okay with that? I want to finish this message, especially for those listening, because I'm going another direction next week. That anointing or that strength for Moses picked him up and carried him through. For Othniel, the force of God. For Deborah, it picked her up and carried her through something she didn't think she could go through. You know, sometimes it's just life, Marty. Martha, that I feel like I can't get through. Anybody with me? I mean, as a woman, I could say 17, you know, keeping up with the house. I work out of the house now. My office is there. And, and, and just keeping up with things. And I'll just be honest with you. I woke up two, three mornings ago. I, I always tell Pastor Hank. In fact, he'd gotten up early and he comes in and I'm sitting on the edge of bed. And he goes, what are you doing, baby? And I said, I've been crying. He goes, what are you crying about? I said, I'm just overwhelmed. I'm so overwhelmed. And I just cried. I was overwhelmed about Easter, a great thing. That's usually the way the enemy always comes to discourage me. I was overwhelmed about getting some things, you know, fixed here. And I was overwhelmed for a couple of people that had some severe relapses. Just overwhelmed. And um, just overwhelmed. Overwhelmed for people that I love because I'll get to that in a moment. Once you've experienced that deep pain, you, you understand. And um, 
That's in those moments that God just picks you up. And after I, I love to pray in the heavenly language. And after I cried and rolled around the bed and prayed in the heavenly language for about an hour, I could have got up and done it and looked like a mighty warrior, but sometimes I don't look like a mighty warrior. Are you with me? So I rolled around the bed crying, praying. And you might have said, that seems like nothing. You and all of us have faced much worse, right? But what faces you in the moment is what's big. Sometimes it's just these kids, you know what I mean, for you mommies, uh, these parents, these children, these whatever. I found that in great moments like uh, when my beautiful son-in-law went to heaven and we were at Grady, the Lord came and carried us, and more of that will come in another story, but it picked us up and carried us through for three weeks. He did. The worst moments and the best of moments because heaven filled the hallways. And angels, we didn't see them, but they had to be if you look back on any moment in your life and you say, I don't know how I survived that, let me tell you, God had you and God picked you up and carried you. And that's what he did for Deborah. And hers was a mighty responsibility. She didn't want to, people looking at her judging the palm trees. She didn't ask for that. I didn't ask to waitress and be a light on a city with a bunch of older people for years. I didn't ask to work at home being official for years and be the light there. I didn't ask to go scoop, scoop up ice cream. I was a children's pastor for years. Did y'all know that? Um, then I did children's crusades. Then I sold Pastor Hank's tapes. Anyway, it goes on and on. This isn't about me, but I, either one, but every one of those taught me about the cause was greater than me. And not to judge by what I saw. If Jesus had done that, he'd have given up. Because he, he had 12 and one of them went really bad. Here's the deal. That's the kind of strength that picks you up and carries you. And if you're listening right now, or you're in this room, you might be facing something that seems, and I hear the Spirit say just more than you think you can handle. Let me pause right now to say the Spirit of the Lord is with you and His reckless love is with you. Hunting you down, chasing you, pursuing you, and picking you up. You will get through this, says the Spirit of the Lord. You will land on the other side, says the Spirit of the Lord. And you will be strong. Don't give up, brother or sister, wherever you are. God's going to carry you through. Amen. Deborah got to the other side. She saw the victory of the Lord. My two last points. Jephthah, one of my favorite characters from the Bible. He had got such a great cause in his life, but he was born, unfortunately, as the illegitimate son of a great warrior. That would have been okay, except the other brothers, who were about 10 or 11, hated him. Hated him. Can you imagine what it was like for Jephthah growing up? Janice, first of all, he must have felt like boy Cinderella. Always got the neck of the chicken. If you didn't grow up in Mississippi like my daddy, that means nothing to you. You got the liver while the others got the good piece. They probably rejected him his whole life. We know they did for where he ends up because he was, his daddy had an affair with a prostitute. But he was raised in that home, and I can only imagine what he faced. Rejection's a tough deal. The thing about rejection is it only really affects your feelings and if you continue to talk about it. Josh, I wish at 56 that I knew then what I know now about rejection. I wished I had not taken it so seriously. I wished I had not let what I thought people thought of me and looked at me when I was young. I wish I had known that the rejection like Joseph would become the making of a godly queen.
God, make all of us kings and queens of the Most High. I wished I knew. When I was hurting and thinking it was the end of the world, Jackie, I wish that I had known Jesus was saying you were in good fellowship. They despised me, rejected of all men. Isaiah 51. But as he grew older, his brothers drove him out of the home. They drove him out. He had to leave with no inheritance, with nothing. And he went to the wilderness. And I tell you, the wilderness, we think we just had one experience of the wilderness. Not so. More to say about the wilderness maybe next week a little bit. But here's the thing about the wilderness. Jesus defeated the wilderness as much as he defeated Satan. When Jesus was there 40 days, he defeated the lies of the enemy. But as much as that, he defeated the wilderness because God sent him. It says the Spirit led him into the wilderness. Because God knew only in the wilderness could Jesus, the man side of Jesus, be developed into the glorified king that we adore. We do love you so. We love you so, Jesus. But he went to the wilderness into a place called T-O-B, Tob, which means wilderness. And actually, the Hebrew meaning for Tob is pretty amazing because it means a place of nothingness. And there it says, listen to this, it says that a group, just like King David, that rebels followed him. You know, when God's anointed you, Brother Gerald, when God's called you, which he has every person in this room, everyone listening that knows Jesus as Savior, and even those that haven't found him yet. When God's called you, that calling works everywhere. Someone say everywhere. This week, Maggie had a phenomenal opportunity to minister to someone in a financial officer, office place. Amazing, And I said, Mackie, it's like what I was trying to tell you years ago when you're beating your head up against my office door because doors would open for you to preach. She was an active addiction. I knew something was horrifically wrong. But she was just so mad because doors wouldn't open until she'll tell you. And I, she wouldn't mind. I threw a phone book at her. And I said, there. Just call every pastor in the town. I've done everything I know to do. And, of course, we both started crying. But I told her then, you are impacting more people than I am right now because where she worked, hundreds of people came every day. But she couldn't see it until now she sees it. I'm going to tell you, when God has called you, wherever you are is mighty and awesome. And the cause is there to make you a better person and to do through you what only God can do. And all these rebels found him. They found him, just like David, the discontented, the in debt. And they began to form a mighty army. Because, see, he was a son of a great warrior. He was a son, Jephthah was a son of Gilead, a great warrior. But he wasn't received by his brothers. But he taught them to be a great army. So hiding in caves, hang with me about eight more minutes, six more minutes. Hiding in caves, he raises them up. Hiding in caves, he makes them great warriors. And as he does so, it says the Ammonites attacked Israel. And the leaders of Gilead came and found Jephthah, his brothers. And the leaders came and found him living out in the wilderness. And they said, come and be our commander. Come tell you something. You're going to find that once people that rejected you will accept you. And there'll be others that maybe never will, but you are not to, to determine your worth on them. But never count out. There was a, a group of sisters that attended here many years ago and they loved all of us. There was no negative. Um, but but they, they left and they had some issues with me. Uh, that's, that's been often the path. And they left. Then one of them called me on my landline who had my number about two years after they'd gone and gone to another church where it was the best church that ever happened. You yeah, know, it's always, it's always the way it is, unfortunately. And um, they said, Sister Rhonda, that's what they called me, 
can you please come see our sister? She's in ICU. She's trying to take her life because of her boyfriend broke up with her. She's hanging on by a thread, Pastor Rhonda. Sister Rhonda, please come pray for her. I'll be honest with you, in my flesh, in my younger years, I probably would have said, what's wrong with your pastor? Well, you've been going for two years, and all the issues you came against me with, but the Spirit of the Lord said, you better go. You know what Jephthah said to his brothers? He said, why did you come to me now? Why did you come to me when you drove me from my father's house? Aren't you the ones who hated me? Why do you come now? And you know what they said? Because we need you. And that's what that sister said to me on the phone. I went up there to intensive care. This has a great ending. Hang with me. I went up to intensive care. She was hooked up to everything. She was barely breathing in weakness. Because Pastor Hank is so great in that moment. But in weakness, I went in God's strength. I didn't feel qualified. I wished it had been him, but it was me. And I went in, and I took her hand, and I began to pray for her. I began to speak over her. I began to ask her to move her eyelashes. I began to ask her to squeeze my hand. I know everyone in the room thought she's crazy because she was facing death. She had OD'd because of a great rejection in her life. And all of a sudden, she started batting her eyes. All of a sudden, she squeezed my hand, showing me the cause is never about us. It is about Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. Can you say amen? I prayed with her more. I went home. They called me that night. She has woke up. She is breathing. Her ventilator is out. She is sitting upright. She says she has hope. She said, this was Sister Rhonda in this room, Sister Rhonda Davis? And they said, yes. And I told her, Sister, you tell her. Because the older you get, I'm just telling you, young children, I'm sorry, your children to me. The older you get, you know it is Him and Him alone. It is Christ alone. You don't want people looking to you. You don't want people clinging to you. You'll almost shake people off your vine and make them grab holder to Jesus. Because at the end of our days, Jesus Christ, He is the rock, the cornerstone. He is the Son of God. He is at the right hand of the Father. He is the triumphant King. He is everything. Hallelujah, Jesus. I was at the DMV with Courtney. I don't even think Courtney knows this. And she was up taking her test. And all of a sudden, this same woman, I hadn't seen her in years, walked in. She was a sheriff, a deputy. She comes in with her child. And I just smiled. I thought, you know, I don't want to make her feel uncomfortable, Austin. I'll just smile at her. And uh, she sat down beside me. She said, hey, Sister Rhonda. I said, hey, girl. I didn't know you were in the sheriff's department. She said, yes, ma'am. She said, you know, at work in the jail now, the Lord really has positioned me. She said, thank you. Thank you for not saying no. Thank you for coming to the hospital. Thank you for being there. Sister Ron, I don't know how I ever got there. I said, doesn't matter. You're here now. That's all that matters. The cause in you is great. Can you say amen? And lastly, I want to look at Christ. 2 Corinthians Second Corinthians. 1, 3 through 5 simply says this. This is very short. God is the source of every mercy and the God who comforts us. He comforts us in all our troubles so we can comfort others. When others are in trouble, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You can be sure that anything you've ever suffered or ever will for Christ, it's going to tag us where we'll go next week, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Christ had the anointing of mercy. Mercy means 
not just to try to correct the problem. Mercy means to climb into somebody's skin, to look through their eyes, to feel what they feel, and then do something about it. But the only way most of us can ever do that is to have felt some pain in our life, to have gone through some moments we couldn't breathe, we couldn't live, we couldn't, we couldn't do what God had called us to do. Jephthah worked past his rejection and preached one of the greatest sermons in Judges 11. He didn't let what people thought of him keep him from doing the work of the Lord. Jesus was rejected by so many as he walked. You know the Bible says that people to this day believe he did not resurrect from the dead. You know that, right? You know to this day people still call him Mary's bastard son. You know that, right? That's not a fallacy. But yet you worry about what people think about you. You've got to know the truth of what Holy Spirit says about you. The Bible says Jesus was vindicated by the Spirit. Vindicated means to be told the truth. The Spirit told Jesus who He was. Not only in the wilderness, not only as He healed blind eyes, not only as He raised the leper, but the Spirit told Jesus the truth about Himself all the way down Via Della Rosa to Calvary's Hill. I want to tell you, Jesus learned what it meant to feel what we feel, to see what we see, and to comfort us. When his cousin was killed, he was grieved. He drew aside just to be alone, but then he saw the crowds gathered on the shore. And the Bible says he had great compassion. He said they're like sheep who have gone astray. And he moved out of his quiet place and he began to stretch forth his hand. This is the Jesus we serve. This is the Jesus we belong to. He went to the cross to prove the extent of his love. Mercy with determination is what took him all the way to Calvary. And mercy and love are synonymous. I could tell you many stories about mercy. Maybe that'll come next week. Many stories, especially regarding Pastor Hank and people he has helped. But I want to tell you today that God has got this. That your cause is great. God has put his hand upon you today. Wherever you are, whether you need the strength or the anointing of the hand of God against the force of wickedness. When you feel weak like I did when I had to go on television, but God had already planned that my banker would be sitting in a, in a chair watching me. When you feel like you're the smallest, like Gideon, God says, you're a mighty woman, a man of valor. Hear what God says. When you feel like Deborah, you need someone to pick you up and carry you through. God's got this. In your responsibility, in your workplace, what you're going through, if you're like Jephthah and you feel people you want to see greatness in you the enemy could be lying they could see greatness in you maybe they don't but in those moments God is saying you belong to me I got it my cause in you is great if you can shake off every rejection if you can shake off the opinion of man if you can shake off what you think you see when you're doing the will of God whether that's cleaning your commode at home leading worship here teaching children taking care of your children in your workplace you don't need everybody to validate you just need to know God called you you don't need everybody to give you a party and promote you and give you a title because I'm going to tell you, it does not change a lot. But you need to say, you know what? Jesus sees me. Jesus has called me. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I'm going to leave this message with many other things on the table, but they'll come next week. Father, I pray for every listener that's listening by podcast and every one of my brothers and sisters that's in this room right now. Holy Spirit, for whatever they're facing. I sent some Jephthahs that have fought the battle of rejection. 
They've let the opinion of men really affect them on what they really feel they're supposed to do. Let them shake it loose. In Jesus' name. Let them listen to the truth from you, Holy Spirit. Vindicate them. Vindicate them. For those who just kind of like to give up in their flesh on whatever you call them to do, and they hear that lie that I heard sitting out in that gravel in front of our church, let them hear you say, you making a difference. That voice wouldn't mess with you unless you were. Help them to see through your eyes, Lord, what you're doing, not through eyes that judge, Lord. This world tabulates everything. This social media crazed world counts things by numbers. They count things by this. And so to soldiers that are making a difference, Lord, one can be the loneliest number sometimes because nobody wants to help a one because they think there's no growth in that. But God, that's exactly what you did, Jesus. You left the 99 to get the one. Lord, I pray for all those in this room right now, Lord, that just like you, Jesus, they've, they've walked through some painful things. Holy Spirit, I hear you say to us, to those listening as well, I'm going to use that which was intended to feed you to be that which I call you for. On your darkest and hardest days, I had already planned your brightest and best days. I am going to use what was meant to destroy you. Actually, it will be your voice used to comfort others and your life and your presence. And to every Moses father that feels like they're on the back of the wilderness counting the days to the end of their days, not knowing that you're in the neighborhood and you got something they never even planned of or thought of, Help us to remember that you are for us and not against us. And your cause is great in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.